There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Look, man. Where? Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, and look over there. Wow, is that oh, culture? Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las Culturistas calling. Want to get out ahead of this? Sure. A straight wedding took my voice this week. Yep. It has not, I have, the universe has not yet given it back, but I look forward to the day when I sound like me again. Well, I was just talking to you about hours ago and you're, and vocally you were, even more shot than you are now. And I really have to commend your recovery and your, God, the body, the human body is amazing. Isn't the body one of the most amazing things? Actually, it's a rule of culture. What number is this again? 91. 91. The human, human body, body is amazing. amazing. It's, it's one, one of the most, most amazing things in, in the world. world. Talk to us about what brought you to this place. Well, I sort of like, was at a straight wedding on Long Island with all my high school friends. And so mm-hmm. that you can sort of fill in the blanks there. I ended up ended up sort of wasted drinking tequila on the rocks with my high school friends at a Marriott at two in the morning. So that was how that went. I'm so happy for you that you're able to do this because I think, I don't know if I'm speaking for, I should just speak for myself. I will speak for myself. I and do not, do not do speak for me. I won't speak for you or anyone listening. No. I I couldn't do that. With people from high school who I haven't kept up with in a while, in a while. like there are just so many cobwebs, gossamer threads mm-hmm. that we'd have to, you know, just sort of try to dust off. And I and look, alcohol is a wonderful social lubricant, as we all know. But I just think great lube, great lube. I just would still be the so, gun oil of non-sexual lubricants. I would say. Oh my god, 
Gun oil is sexual, though. What are you right. saying? So I would say that... Um, oh, oh, alcohol is non-sexual. Well, don't... And sort of what I'm saying there is that gun oil is the lube I use, okay? So that's a breadcrumb for the readers. Alcohol could be considered a sexual lubricant. Uh, in many ways, Bowen. And that's why I stan you so. is <laughs> because you're always thinking outside the box. You have sort of one of those most subversive queer comedy minds. And that's what shoots you to the top. For your consideration, no, the semi-season, no. Bowen Yang. Oh Everyone, I know you got your ballots in hand. It makes me Time deeply uncomfortable that, that you talk about this every episode now. That my, I think my, it's funny, and I think it's going to happen. I think it's, and then, and then I think it's going to be. I even don't want to. I don't want to talk. It makes me so uncomfortable to think about. Yeah, you look really uncomfortable. I'm on the ballot too. It'll never happen for me for the show. Everyone, dog. for your consideration, Matt Rogers. <laughs> Hot dog. They're, the billboards are everywhere in Los Angeles. They're everywhere. My for your consideration <laughs> ads are so annoying. It's like, we get it. We get it. Um, no, but anyway, um, I do want to also shout out, you know, the human body is amazing. You know what else is amazing? What? Medicine. Medicine. Because I am on a steroid right now that allows me to speak to you. My God. who And you got the prescription straight away? He didn't even give me a prescription. This I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Hot, straight doctor at the City MD. Hot and you know I'm on record as not being about City MDs, a.k.a. they're like an antibiotic candy store. So I basically was like waiting for him to say. They're a chain restaurant. Yeah. But yeah. They're a chain restaurant. Yeah. But what I'm waiting for him to say, here's an antibiotic, here's a Z pack. I don't even really need, to, I'm not even going to look you in the eyes once, just here's a Z pack, throw it at me and get the fuck out of here. They gave me a shot of a steroid. It was a Gatorade. Gatorade. I don't know how to describe it. It was like a shot of Gatorade and there was a steroid in it. And I took oh it God. and now I'm on a steroid. How does it feel? Fucking fabulous. And he just, and he just flexed. Um, Speaking of uh, steroids and being gay, we want to, and I'm not saying anything about this NFL player, but we want to uh, congratulate this openly gay NFL player. What, what's his name? Some uh, Carl, Carl, Carl Gibb, Carl, Carl, Carl Gellib. I didn't really, I, I, I said good for him. I said good for him. I guess, what, doesn't this feel like if I have, I'm having deja vu to Colton Underwood in a way. Which, they're not mm-hmm. the same. They're not the same person. It's not the same situation at all. I'm like, are they not? I don't know. I mean, not, until until Carl does like a, my favorite Amazon products to help me feel pride. Like that was the funniest shit I've read in years. Hold on, what did it say? Hold on, because because you because he was like, what are your favorite Amazon buys? And we should say I did text our group that about it, and Bowen immediately said, unfortunately, a, a publicist wrote this. But I do, which I <laughs> which very illuminating for me. Good job, Bowen, seeing all the Pepsi cans as it were. But, yes. Oh no. My go-to water bottle is Voss. It's These Voss. are great for me when I'm entertaining or when I have guests over. Different These are things. great for Voss water bottles are great for me when I'm entertaining or having guests over. So we can say that sometimes when he has guests over, he's not really entertaining. Ba-boom. Sure, wow, boring sure. bitch. Okay, Reebok Club C85 Pride Shoes. There's nothing better than a fresh pair of white sneakers. And these are nothing the- better. And these are the Reebok Pride shoes. I like them not only because they're white, but because they've got a little pop and a little flare. flare. And that's essentially me. I like to be clean, but also have a little flare and a little dazzle. These are great shoes. I mean, it's it's a haiku. It's wonderful. It's poetry for sure. It's poetry. Yeah. To end on these are great shoes is inspiring. These are great shoes. He said, I love these because they're white. And that's a brave thing to say. As they say, as they say, uh, the world over. You know, we both have we both had very straight um, weeks. Uh, you at a straight wedding, seeing a hot mm-hmm. straight doctor. Me being in what I think is maybe the straightest city in America. No, that's not true. I was going to say it's Savannah, Georgia, but mm. there's very there's a very gay story that happens there, which is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. But 
I mean, otherwise it's a pretty, it's, it's bachelorette party central. It's bachelor party central. And so, the, and, 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 and therefore I would say it is a very hetero city. Um, right, right, felt very, right. was very nice. Was there with my sister, my parents, my nieces, my brother-in-law, um, stressful to eat out every single meal with two children. I will say two young children, young. two young children, but it was a lovely time. It was, it was, it was, you know, my sister, my sister had a nice escape from from Atlanta, um, and my brother in law. They were due for one. The kids were due for one. It was nice for the for the whole family to be get, be together since the pandemic. All I'm saying is, I don't think I love Savannah, unfortunately, and I do have to be public about that. Well, you gave it a shot. I gave it. I really gave it a shot. Well, you'll try anything once. I took the ghost tours. I learned all about the the bodies that are buried under every square. I learned about. The Mercer Williams house, of course. I learned about mm-hmm. the, the the ghost of Flannery O'Connor, the racist ghost of Flannery O'Connor haunting a house. Yeah, all of these things. I love, love, loved. I just don't think it's the city for me, and that's okay. I think I needed I need to re- start recusing myself from a narrative of every city in America is a good city, which mm-hmm. is, cannot possibly be true. Because if every city is good, then no city is good. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. What I'm then ever then everyone would live in every city. You understand? And be ca- simply be chaos, and we all you know understand. that's not the case. Oh, I understand. You understand. But I think it's great that we sort of got some straight going during Pride Month because the weekend of Pride is upon us. I got it out of my system, and and this is going to be a stressful week. But we're 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 strapping ourselves in, and it, the straightness ends right now with this episode. I'm telling you that right now. The straightness ends right now, especially while we bring in our guests. Oh, I can't I can't really believe the guest. Do you know what I mean? In like a you know, no, I I actually I get exactly what you mean. <laughs> I can't believe the guest. Do you know? But like when I say the words, I can't believe our guest. Do you do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, and I sort of remember us sort of. I guess I guess you'd say starting this podcast years ago and thinking we'll never get a guest like insert name of guest here our guest's name he's just he's had probably as prolific of a career as you could want is an exercise in futility to name all the credits and think oh yes we've encapsulated this whole man's career we're not going to do that but he's otherwise a bon vivant Ooh. a man about town about the world owns the wonderful club coming in the East Village. To say that that place is your place, the power. Oh my God! I power. stomped. I stomped the boards of club coming many a time. People yes. might remember in the in the great before. I was Catherine Cohen's sub. Whenever <laughs> she wasn't there, I was there, and it was called. It wasn't called Cabernet Cabaret. It was called Grigio Gig. Grigio. And gig. I, I, I got it going, and I think Alan Cumming would have been very proud. And he would know he would have been very proud. And look, it's back. We encourage everyone who back. is in New York City, if you're visiting, if you live here, to go. Give it a visit. Wonderful shows happening every night. Wonderful bar experience. He's also the director of the new Audible original, Hot White Heist, with an all-star queer cast, including Cynthia Nixon, MJ Rodriguez, Bianca Del Rio, Jane Lynch, Tony Kushner, Starring Bailey, Katya Zawlowskova. I, I can say Don, it, because Bowen would just Cameron keep Mitchell. going with this sentence as if he's not in it, but I can and me, say I'm in it's, it. He, it's led by Bowen Yang, who is a talent, a queer talent, but the <laughs> queerness, it, he supersedes it, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's international, international star. Wow. Thank you, thank you. And who who else would be an international star, if not me, would be our guest. <laughs> Everyone, please welcome into your ears. Jesus Christ. Alan Cumming! Alan. Thank Hi. you, boys. Hello, Boon Yang and Matt Rogers. Ah! We were just oh, talking. Yeah. 
Wow. wow. Yeah, we, were, we were talking before about how good it's, it is to hear him say your name. And then he said my full name for the first time. And oh boy, it was like a damn bad. <laughs> it's just it's worth it. It's just wonderful. Worth, worth it. Worth, it, worth, worth the, wait. the wait. You're joining us from an opal mine. Tell, tell the listeners, the readers, where you're from. Where, where the hell where, you where are. you're coming from. Yeah. I'm in Australia, in South Australia. I'm in Adelaide. Um, I'm an artistic director of the Adelaide Cabaret Festival. So I'm doing sort of pop-up club comings, actually. It's such fun. Ah. DJ and then we have performers and... Oh, such fun. Um, and then I'm doing my own concert show at the end of the festival. But I came here to this place called Cooper PD. And ironically, I just did <laughs> Anderson Cooper's show before you guys. Irony. And, uh, but it's called Cooper with a B. And it's an old opal Cooper. mining town. And everybody lives underground because it's so hot in the summer. So I'm actually in a hotel that is underground. And you just see these little kind of funny poles sticking out. Oh, everywhere. And that means there's a little air hole going down to some little person. There's 17, I know all the facts, there's 1,700 people live in this town. Mm. 70% of them live under fucking ground. That's insane. There's an element of danger here. There's an element of danger. What's, are, are, do you feel safe? I'll see. Well, the thing is, I can go out into my corridor and look left and I can see daylight. So it's okay. not, I don't feel quite so bad. But that's, that's unusual. Yesterday, I was in a, an opal mine. Uh, I was in an opal shop. I mean, I, I mean, an underground mine. Sorry, an underground <laughs> shop, an underground cafe, an underground cinema. I did yes. the whole thing. An underground church, an underground Serbian church. This is a whole. It's a city of moles. It, it's just so weird. It was a weird Serbian priest ranting at this little Italian man who was a tourist, <laughs> say, uh, telling him who, um, uh, um, what do you call him, Leonardo da Vinci was. I nearly <laughs> he intervened. didn't know. He did, well, I don't know. He didn't couldn't get a word in edgeways, and I just was like. <laughs> I was about to say, leave the boy alone. Yeah, leave the let, boy alone. Let him be. Uh, but they kind of wandered off. But it was, it's been crazy. Like, you know, it also, it's, they shot a part of Priscilla, uh, Queen of the Desert here. It's, you know, that's, it's got that weird outback sort of an industry town where the industry's kind of almost gone and they're sort of pushing the tourist thing. It's just a mishmash of crazy. Oh. I love it. I love it. So then the, the history and the culture doesn't reach down there. And that's why this person didn't know Leonardo da Vinci. You can't blame him. <laughs> well, yeah, he was right. from it- Italy. He was from Italy. He was a little Italian. That's the thing. I was like, he's a little Italian boy. And if little Italian boys nowadays don't know Leonardo da Vinci, we've lost something as a culture. If the little Italian boys today know Luca better than da Vinci, there's something wrong in the <laughs> there's culture. There's something wrong. <laughs> Showbiz. Did you, see, um, did you see who won the Eurovision Song Contest this year? It was, it was Italy, wasn't it? It was Italy with a song, yeah. with a sort of rock and roll song, and the man snorted a line of coke off the table, apparently, yes. allegedly. And uh, my favorite thing is when he came to, you know, when they come to win the Eurovision Song Contest, you have to say something to the world. Yes. And he went, Rock and roll never dies. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. He was right. What it's do you true. think of sort of like Eurovision sort of, or because I'm, I'm imagining you're a fan, Eurovision's totally. pivot to sort of not honoring pop music as of late, it feels. Well, I think that was just, I think that's more like the, the Italian one obviously was a freak. I think it's the fact that the public get to vote now. Right. I don't frankly, like that. Yeah. I think that's wrong. I don't I think, think they should. Wrong. I think it should be the weird little judges. Yeah. Um, and because like the weird little judges voted that little Austrian, cute Austrian boy with the sort of falsetto, which is much more what I think of as a Eurovision winner. Yes. And then the general public block voted for the Italian rocker alleged cokeheads. So I don't know. I'm a big fan of Eurovision. I've, I've, I grew up with it. I'm very influenced by, I think, in my eclecticism and my... Uh, you know, lack of um, respect for sort of sort of normal pop groups. I think yeah. you should always have some quirk. 
and uh, and also of my embrace of tacky pop songs. That's my thing. I keep saying this to people in Australia. My and at Club Coming, one of my things about getting older, you know, in my fifties, <laughs> I became a DJ and a barman part time. And I think part, mm. both those things are about, as you were saying about the lubricant, it's both, both those things are my ways of uh, encouraging people to let go and just have fun yeah. and not care oh. what people think and be, and be judged. And so I, uh, I think, like, for example, I put on some Eurovision hits during my DJ sets in Adelaide and I, 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 I like it when people just let go and dance. They're actually, in, in Australia, they're good at letting go. Mm, America, okay. not so much. And what about, what about in the UK? In the UK, better. They're better, yeah. Because like, the whole sort of thing of Eurovision is quite a good sort of metaphor for it. And also like, you know, pantomime that we have at Christmas time where the, the concept of drag and cross-dressing and things like that and, and right. or, or, or gender play is much more... Co- so those things are more in the mainstream culture. And I think that helps people. They don't feel that they're going to be judged for being too sissy or whatever, you know, for mm. when they dance to certain songs. So Americans are the, are the struggle. They're the challenge. It does feel like the pop when I was growing up and like um, discovering like even like the late night, like Graham Norton and, you know, everything like that. I just I, I was always envious growing up here that the pop culture seemed gayer, like it all just mm. seemed like totally. a lot more flamboyant. And then then, you know, as as you get older and you understand, like, you know, the government in England and everything like that, it is very rather conservative. So I think like yeah. it's probably, it probably feels, maybe it's the grass is greener thing. I don't know. I think it is that, but I, no, I think you're absolutely right. It is gear. It means it's, it's queerer. Mm. It sort of means, uh, you know, queerness is more in the mainstream of culture also. And I just think that's something that's, yes, it's a conservative government, but I think over the years, just in our, we, you know, as like, I guess, I mean, maybe from Shakespeare's time, the concept of men dressing up as women, maybe it comes from right. that, you know, that that's, yeah. that's partly, I'm sure that's helped. But um, e- even with race as well, like I, we often watch, um, you know, I've got one of those, oh, I shouldn't say this, it's not allowed, but you know, those things that you can pretend to be somewhere else when you're not, the sort of a VPN things. It's a, oh, it gives yeah. you a fake IP address. As everyone has. Oh, those. you're you're so scared I, about talking about VPNs? Ooh, Alan, <laughs> dangerous. Now we know how to. Tell me you want to probe with danger here. <laughs> well, anyway, I watch BBC iPlay and and you know British shows quite a lot, mm. and it's so fascinating in the commercials. Grant, my husband, I was he was really remarking on this that how much more integrated race is as a concept. Like it's not mm-hmm. like here when in America rather when it feels like oh here's the black people commercial do you know what I mean right. here, oh we're doing like, there's some Asian people in this commercial now whereas in Britain it genuinely feels like this is there's it's just all mixed and it's just like it's much more I think we've gone it's, we're sort of post trying to be make a point about it and it's just actually reflective of of, of the culture and I think sure. um, I think that's the same with queerness as well actually in terms of it being more integrated there yeah yeah, yeah. anytime let's in, in terms of like let's just say racial diversity it's like anytime uh, there's a you're presented with the image of a group of people like on a college campus sitting together and it's all different races yes. like there's something about there's something about that presentation that, is, that 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 suggests that it is forced in a way or that it is underlining yes. how diverse this is it's, it's in a way that conscious. is like but wait this kind of yes and it's too aware of itself and so therefore it sort of breaks it sort of defeats the whole purpose of like yeah touting you what don't it's believe supposed it. to represent yeah. Right, right. But I think that's a lot of stuff in America that people do, you know, it's, it's interesting being away from it a little bit and looking and thinking that, you know, there's a sort of way that people know that they, and that's what was interesting about the, the past four years is that the, the we, we sort of know how we're supposed to behave or how we're expected to behave and what is proper. 
but actually a lot of the time we're paying lip service to it and that and you know yeah. during trump those that 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 didn't that change and people didn't pay lip service to it anymore so i think it's good that we push these things because obviously there's a long way to go mm-hmm. and there's a lot of danger ahead potentially but I, but i think we have to find a better way of doing it so that it doesn't feel uh, disingenuous like like you're saying it's actually funny because like <laughs> Literally, like right before we got on, I, I realized there's a connection between this week's episode and last week's episode, which is we had Busy Phillips on, who's obviously the best friend of Michelle Williams. And I was telling her that I saw opening night of when you guys did the revival. Yeah, I was did there. You? And so I saw you just absolutely, I mean, your performance of a lifetime, et cetera. You've heard it win the Tony Award. Come on now, all of that. But you truly were stunning. But I was thinking about how I really actually did not know. I, I said to Sudi, who I went with, I was I was really bad. I didn't understand because I think I had only seen the movie Cabaret once when I was younger. And so I didn't really understand that it was going to be as dark as it was and as sad as it was and as about Nazis as it was, to be honest <laughs> with you. And so I was thinking after like, you know, obviously that musical depicts a culture that is very liberal and like sort of, you know, seems to be extremely progressive and free. And then the darkness is right around the corner. So mm. I just, th- that's such an interesting thing that it's been a part of like such iconic work that you've done too. that very. Well, yes, I think I've done, you know, and other, other things I've done as well, actually, they're about, I feel my thing is like, don't, and I always say this, I just was talking about Pride uh, with Anderson Cooper prior, sorry mm. to keep name dropping. <laughs> but well, We uh, don't Anderson, know who that is. We actually. don't know who <laughs> Yeah, we're not familiar with her. <laughs> we, he and I are part of the Silver Fox Mafia. We're taking over the world. Oh, um, sure. But uh, no, about um, how I feel you've got to be vigilant, you know, because it is, we are perilous. We're in a perilous situation. Sure, great strides have been made. But look how mm. quickly, look how quickly it happened with Trump when all of a sudden yeah. trans people are the devil and all these things and, you know, and look, all these things have happened and our rights are being eroded, were being eroded in many ways and it's a struggle to get them back. And I think that's the fact that that was, and, and you know, if he'd got in again, I am yeah. so, I was getting death threats by the end of the, by the, in the campaign, you know, regularly on, on Instagram and stuff for posting anti-Trump stuff. And I, I started to feel, uh, scared and i if he got in again i was i would i would don't think i would have lived in america anymore mm-hmm. it would have been very hard yeah i mean it really it really did get to that point where it felt like it could be the end of the world there yeah totally and it could be easily like it's us now you know that thing definitely that that the, he hadn't been virulently homophobic but it was definitely obviously on the cards anyway we've got to be vigilant and i think a lot of these a lot of the work I've done is about that, about sort of celebrate. Here's the situation. Oh, but look how much it hasn't changed. I did a movie called Any Day Now about a gay couple in the 70s trying to adopt this little Down syndrome child. And that was about, like, it was a beautiful film, but it was also when we came to do it, to, to promote it, I was like, well, you know, it hasn't got that much easier. You try prom- you try adopting a child in this state adoption system when you're queer these days. It's, you know, mm-hmm. there's lots of gay people with kids. Luckily, they can afford to have a surrogate or go a different route. And mm-hmm. so there's, we just have to be vigilant and not rest in our laurels. And I think that's what I slightly worry about pride as well. That it's like, hurrah, hurrah. And actually think, you know, maybe we're, should we not have, we should, we should, we should hope for the day when we don't need pride. Yeah. Sure. Between me and Matt and our friends, we've all talked about how the meaning of it or the whole ceremony around it is just changes over time and every year. And it's like, what does yes. pride even mean? Like, I mean, like exactly. I remember a time when pride was, for me, it was literally about like, oh my God, like this is like the first time I'm seeing like queer people together, you know, like, and now and it's like such, yes, but yeah. that's what it's good for. And that's why, you know, old 
you know, assholes like me should stop saying things like that because it's for people who don't have the outlet to do that. And I think that's great. I don't have a chance to do it. And I, I once I went on a gay cruise, I performed on a gay cruise and it was the most crazy thing I've ever done. It was like a bath. Like I had to go down the stairs to the stage. I kind of got on in St. Lucia and they'd all been on for like a, about five days and I got taken down to the, where the stage was and it was all through the little the lower cabins the lower floors cabins uh-huh. and it was like on every door it had it was like a their almost like their grinder profile on every door and the doors open yeah. and little you know little hints of what you might see when you went in photographs <laughs> like the it red was, light was, district bomb the ocean it, <laughs> totally totally it was hilarious and i was a bit like oh my god just trying to get to the city anyway i did my concerts and then what i but what i thought was lovely about it was that there was people on that boat from all parts of America who don't have bar, who don't mm. live in New York and can't go to a bar that you can, you know, whatever can happen in the back room or, or they don't have that those kind of options. Right. And so right. it was so exciting and liberating for them to be on that boat and to feel safe to be able to do all that. And I think that's what Pride is good for. But my, I think my overall worry is about the, obviously the corporation, the, you know, the corporate sort of takeover of it and the fact that people think, oh, that's fine. We've done Pride now. We've done the, the mm-hmm, queers. Mm-hmm. We've, been, we've done our service to the queers this year. We've all put on a rainbow hat and got drunk. And I feel it's that's that's my worry that that kind of uh, diminishes or perhaps um, impedes our progress. Sure. Yeah. Are you are, are you experiencing any FOMO at all of New York? Like, are you like at all like experiencing any anxiety from being away from New York this particular summer? Not really, because I'm having such fun. I mean, I'm, I'm basically doing New York and I'm doing club coming <laughs> in. I'm, I'm dressed yeah. in a monkey suit, dancing around to tacky pop songs, banging drumsticks and, you know. <laughs> Bringing pe- there's such great performers here that are hilarious. Do you know Hans? Remember Hans the German who was on American Idol? He's this Australian man who dresses up as a sort of a le- in lederhosen and glitter, and he's he he lives in Adelaide. So he's been doing great things. He actually did with Henry. He did a he did they did a Tchaikovsky Britney Spears accordion mashup. Oh that my is god! So, I have to say that is the most Henrik thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know, and we we I know. have to tell the readers because they're going to be so excited to know. So Henry is obviously a dear friend of the show. We love and Henry. a yes. beloved ex boyfriend of mine, but dear close friend, also my musical director as well. Um, but he's with you there. He's and you said he's yes. on the other side of that opal wall. <laughs> yes, he's in, he's come with me to the Opal place, to Cooperpedia. So he's like just a door down uh, and we're waiting for me to finish this so we can go on this plane. But he's my musical director for the, and he does like for my concert, but also he's the musical director and we have a band at Club Coming in the Spiegel tent. And what I love is, oh, my favourite thing is I DJ and then the band plays along mm-hmm. and I just dance around and I just, I dance for like hours on end <gasps> and often in a rabbit suit, often different suits and then. You know, stuff like that is such fun. So I actually don't have FOMO about New York Good. because I feel I'm getting my fill here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I miss, I, I love when I see the pictures from, from Club Coming. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty sated. But I'm, I mean, I'm, it'll be nice <laughs> to get back. You know, I often think that having fun is a choice. And I have a feeling about you that you make that choice to have fun a lot. A lot. Totally, Matt. I, yes, <laughs> I absolutely do. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think happiness is a choice, actually. I really mm. do. And I think, I mean, not, not that I um, dismiss any kind of Rough depression or, or mental illness. I've suffered that myself hugely in the past. But I actually, yeah, I definitely feel I've, ha- I've made a choice to live. You know, I, I, I always say this is slightly sort of Hallmark cards kind of thing. But it's true that like I have great access to darkness, mm-hmm. but I choose to stand in the light. And I think that's, and also that's, I've, uh, that uh, darkness helps me in my work a lot. 
But, you know, that's why I don't really like actors. I mean, I, I don't really like hanging out with actors, <laughs> you know, because they talk about acting all the time. And I find that just immensely boring. I'd rather yeah. just do it, do it yeah. and go home. Yeah, go, uh-huh. out, go out and have fun. Years ago, I did this play Bent. Do you know that play? It's about gay people in the. In Actually, the, in I have. I've I've heard of the play. Yeah, I don't think I can't say I know it, but I know of it. It's an amazing play by Martin Sherman, and actually, in a funny way, he actually kind of brought to the world's attention the the fate and the and the lot of uh, queer people in under Nazism. Like, and this is a play about a man going to a concentration camp and and pretending to be Jewish because you'll get treated better. If he's Jewish, than if he's gay, and it's uh, yeah. and it's so it's you know it's, it doesn't end well. <laughs> it's yeah. a really bleak play. I did this in London a few years ago, and I made a point of, and it was all these boys. They're all it was it was totally all men cast, lots of Nazis and blah 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 and horrible. And I it was me and this other boy <laughs> with the people in the concentration camp, and we and I just knew if I did not like leave it behind and have fun, I would go demented. So I did, yeah. I, I had the, actually had the best time, even though it was the bleakest, most despairing thing to do. I left, I finished the play and I walked off stage and I was like, give me a drink, where are we going? And we yeah. all had really, and I think that's really important to do that. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. That about people that do dark work that they need to, I mean, they need to have aggressive fun while they're doing it. Absolutely. I remember Joan Collins, if I may drop another name, you know, yes. you know who told me you not may. to name drops? Yes, Bobby De Niro. Um, uh, John <laughs> Collins said, John Collins came to see it. She said, oh, Alan, how do you do this every evening? How do you go through it? I said, by not talking about it afterwards, John. Yeah. Said, no, but how do you do it? I said, John, by not talking about it afterwards. So immediately I was like, don't want to discuss this. You've seen it. Obviously, it's harrowing. Obviously, right. it's like really insane. But now I'm not doing that anymore. And I think it's like that thing about you have to choose. You have to also, you can choose to have fun. You can choose to have happiness. You can also, you have to choose when you're not working. Mm. Yeah. as well and I think that's something like you know like last night in this little place in the middle of nowhere like people came up to me during dinner and I was like oh no I'm not going to take a photo I'm actually just having dinner with my friend like and you can say it in a nice way that means that you're that it's just not an appropriate time yes. for this to happen of course oh my gosh I always say that I always say to people I'm not going to take a photo of you because if I took a photo with you everyone would see and then everyone would want one and I'd have to do this all night long yeah, thanks yeah. so lovely to meet you and they're like oh of course Alan, of course and that's actually just taking the time to explain it to them and be nice and people really get it that's 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 beautiful and I, I of course this is like a time honed thing that you have like developed over the course of your career right. where it's like you, you know how to like relay this information to these people yes and it's just and the biggest and the biggest thing I always think of my mom because it's just like just be nice it doesn't cost anything to be nice and actually there's no situation that, that works less well than when you are nice in it so when it comes to travel we all have that happy place whether it's the beach ski slopes couples getaway or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long, Matt. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. Now, we all know we love to vacation together. We have various happy places. We love to go to Orlando, Florida. We love to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. We love to go to a beach anywhere. We love to go to Europe. But when we have truly traveled the world globally and domestically. My happy place is with my sister and any of those locations he just listed. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals, and you can even choose your own crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. For me, I'm choosing Matt Rogers. I'm choosing producer Becca. Yes! Baby Hans. 
Yes. We're all going together, the Lost Coach family. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy place with Priceline. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You know, but one of the toughest things about decorating my apartment has been getting things framed. Finding a place that will custom frame all my beautiful art pieces that I have without breaking the bank has been close to impossible. But then I found FrameBridge. I found FrameBridge too. FrameBridge makes it easy to get anything framed at an affordable price. Easily order online at framebridge.com or visit a FrameBridge retail store. Upload a digital photo for them to print and mail your item using their free, secure, prepaid packaging. Or visit one of their 20-plus retail stores. FrameBridge custom frames your piece in their studio using the highest quality materials and ships it to your door in days for free. I love going into the brick-and-mortar locations. I've got one here in Brooklyn, and they're so sweet. They can give you inspiration for where you want to get framed. I went in and I was like, I'm going to get my Chromatica ball bracelet framed. And they helped me. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I have so many memories I need framed and put upon the wall. And uh, they have a curated selection of frame styles with design experts right on hand who make it fun to choose the perfect frame for you. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's FrameBridge.com. You told me this story when we were uh, recording Hot White Heist of when you... Am I allowed to say this? Well, what is it? When you... When you and, an, and a certain actor on a certain movie went to a nude beach. Oh, yes, you can say that. <laughs> okay, because this, this, this is, I feel like you are inheriting something from Serene McKellen. Yes. When you guys were shooting X2. Yes. Where, where were you? It was like Germany or something? Or it was, no, it was, it was in Canada, in Vancouver. Canada, it was Vancouver. And then, okay, so then, so that you guys just you know, tell the story. I, I love this story. And the thing is, like, we, I, he came on my podcast that uh, you did recently, uh, Alan Cumming Shells, and he talked, we talked about it because the thing, each week I have a thing, you know, that I yes. take my shells. And the thing that I, t- actually, there was two things. The thing, one of the things was a little dog necklace made from hemp 
that he'd bought for my dog at this nudist beach. And the other <laughs> thing was a little a little uh, bracelet that had uh, my name on it. That this the a film that we were working on, another film actually. The little the daughter of the director. I'd, I was making beads with her one day, and, and her mum said, "Oh, she's finished the re- the necklace, and she wants to give it to you, but she spelt your name wrong." I was like, "Oh, that's charming." Even more, it said anal instead of Aaron. <laughs> <on it. laughs> anyway, this Ian story was we were shooting X Men, and he's I always think of Ian McKinnon's like. A fourteen-year-old girl trapped inside an eighty-year-old man's body. I mean, yeah, seriously, yeah, really, yeah. And he he um, said to me, you know, we're we were living quite close to each other on this place called um, uh, oh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, oh, what was it called? Never mind. And <laughs> it, but it was near the beach, and uh, and and but and further along to um, to the west was a nudist beach. Like, that yet, and, and he said to me, "Oh, apparently there's an. I just read in the newspaper there's a nudist beach." No, <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, that's right. It's called Wreck Beach. I've read about. I heard about it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Couple of days later, <laughs> oh, apparently I, I read this thing about a nudist beach. I said, "Yes, you, I said you said that the other day." And he wanted like, yeah, to go. Beach, right? Yeah, and then eventually it was like, "Oh well, someone told me they've been to this n- nudist beach." I said, "Do you want to go to the nudist beach?" And then, and then he went, he went, "Well, if you want to go, Alan, I'll go with you like that." I was like, "Let's go." So we go, and you have to walk down this lovely sort of verdant little path, and then you come to this lovely beach, and there's all like big, uh, you know, tree trunks have washed up on it, and you can sit against them. And, and Ian, Ian went in the podcast, he was going, and I went down there, and no one had a stitch of clothing on. I was like, no, it's a nudist beach. And so we got naked, and he was just had a little sort of, uh, like a, a little hat that like cricket umpires wear, you know, one of those yeah. little straw hats. Yeah. So we're, I've got my dog, we're walking along, me and him. And it's so funny because when you get when you're naked and you get recognised, yes. it's a really funny thing because people look at your face and then they immediately drop their heads like, down yes. to look at your junk. You know, it's it's immediate, <laughs> and it's sort of it's hell areas. And Ian was like, "Hello, everybody!" It's Gandalf. He was like that, <laughs> absolutely loving it. And then there was a guy came to to sell us little pipes. You know, there was all you could buy pot cookies and everything. And this man had made homemade pipes on a piece of string around his waist and he ah. was naked. Ian and I were sitting down and Ian was like, couldn't I see that one? And so the guy's coming close. He's at penis level to our faces. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! And Ian's like, oh, it's a lovely one. Do you like that one? I'm like, no, it's like that. Don't buy it. <laughs> it was such a gas. That is so funny. I think that's a great story because it makes me think, oh, wow, Alan Cumming and Ian McKellen were these two gay actors on set for this like big blockbuster movie back in a time when like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know there that pe- this so was many, the, yeah. Well, there weren't so many and that this, this wasn't really part of the conversation. I mean, I'm not talking about this in terms of like a representation thing. I'm just saying like, there's just a sh- obviously there's a shorthand when you when you when you run into another queer person on in a work environment like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And just I don't know, like like what what was it like for you guys? Uh, well, it was that was the gay, that was the gayest film I have ever been on, actually. Because you know it was X two. X two is fucking amazing. It's by amazing. The way. It is it is the crown jewel, and it's y'all incredible. are so good in it too. And it is it, thank you I so mean, much. Inherently queer because of its X Men. It's an allegory of queerness, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. All the little little mutants sing, and there's even a scene where the, he sort of has to come out as mutant yeah. to his mom, mm-hmm. and um, and of course Brian Singer, and there was. A, some other people, uh, the writers and everything, it was a, it was a very, aside from the actual uh, content of it, had a very queer sort of sensibility. But I mean, I think now, like, you know, like telling that story now, it's got such a different thing. It's like, ah, ha, ha, you know, quirky, quirky Alan, quirky Ian. Whereas then it would have been a bit more like subversive, weird, or oh, what they're doing. That's kind of, we don't, you know, that that's changed. The way that I think people, and even I think the way that people understand 
queerness and understand even things like, you know, about monogamy and stuff or lack of in the queer community and how there's different rules and relationships. That, I think, is much more uh, prevalent now, that idea and just Mm -hmm. like that concept. And I think, and in a funny way, I think, you know, when when all the marriage equality thing happened, uh, one of the things I said in a, a statement was, I think actually queer people have a lot to teach straight people about relationships and about how to manoeuvre them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and I think that's true. I still do I think that's very true. They would be a lot happier if they let go of the whole idea of... Because like, well, it is a very patriarchal, match. like... It, it, yeah. It, they're in a prison. I mean, really. Because, and yeah. I think that there's a lot of unhappiness, especially amongst, like, you know, that, like, baby boomer generation in America because... And, and I, think that, I think there's a lot of alcoholism because of it. I think there's a lot of, like repression in that totally de- and in that demographic because they they're too married literally to yes. an idea that's not and they've been fed this thing that my, my thing i think is really off uh, i think is awful is that one thing one whatever you call it indiscretion or one part of one mm. one way you failed in this vow because in this pact mm-hmm. that's basically what it's saying right. if you fail at all then the whole pact is over like, I remember when my brother got divorced the first time and it basically, when I, you know, I was like, what? So what, you kind of, something happened one night when you were away and for one, you know, and then the, your whole life crumbled. Yeah, the union is over now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think that's the thing that, that, that's, that's what, that is so damaging. And so what happens, of course, is people just repress it and do it and, and, and lie. And, you know, that I think is much worse ways of betrayal than actually discussing how you feel about that, the notion of it happening and how you will, how you'll all gather together again after it happens and be fine with it happening. I just think that's, they're fed this Hollywood ending of, mm-hmm. of how life should be. And we, we, everybody knows that sort of shit yet. They continue to buy into it. It's remarkable. Yeah. It's weird. The indulgences that are allowed, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's just, it's when right. you take, if, if everyone were to take a step back and look at it all, it would look yeah. odd because it's odd. I know, and I think that's what um, to, I thought was so great about um, Hot White High School and bringing it back to Bo oh. and Yang, is oh that God. is that and Adam, our dear friend Adam Goldman, who wrote mm-hmm. it, oh, it, manages to get so many uh, issues, I suppose you'd call them, but so many like the like the you know queer people not being monogamous. I would say mostly. Uh, mm-hmm. Or it's much much more of a comfortable concept to t- to talk about in queer culture. That putting things like that and other other kind of you know queer life things into a very funny script, very casually and not very not and not clunkily. Mm-hmm. I thought he did that, such a good job of that. I can't believe how I've I listened back to it a couple times to be honest, and I don't usually I don't ever do this with with my own things, mm-hmm. um, especially especially I mean. Okay, this, this is just me saying this, and this is something that Adam keeps pointing out to me. He's like, no, Bowen, you're in every scene. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, <laughs> I am I am really, this is the first thing that I've done where I've, like, really, like, anchored something. And, and, and I, sh- I should just say that, like, like p- producing, making, like, a scripted podcast, like, I just think, I just think the word podcast gets, get like, just, like, kind of makes, frivolizes the whole thing, because it is not an easy thing to do you know it's just huge like the sound design and the you know and it's it's like uh it's all these things happening on a train and you're going on top of a carriage and it's a huge or it's like i mean it it was it felt to me like i i've made some films before i've never done anything like this i did not expect it to be anywhere as detailed and as sort of of such high production values as it did because that's the world we live in 
And I think it's excellent. There was that guy, Jeremy, was such a genius. Who was oh, Jeremy. To, genius. Yeah. Our, our sound designer. But um, yeah. But I, I would leave those days sometimes and be like, oh my God, that was a long day. Like that was a lot of work. And Alan like really directed me in such a, in such a perfect way. Because Alan, do you remember? So the first day, so Matt, you'll like this and hate this. The first day, the first scene we do, we do a couple takes of this one scene. And then Alan's like really like giving me these great notes. And he's, and then at one point he's just kind of like figuring out what he wants to, how he wants to present the note. And then in a lull, I go, you know, um, you can just give me the line read if you want. It's just like the way everyone does it at SNL. And then Alan like very politely chuckles and he goes, oh, that no, that's okay. And like proceeds to do his job, which is to direct me. And he's just like actually like giving me the space, respecting the process enough and respecting me enough to be like, no, I'm not going to like tell you, feed you how to do it. I'm going to actually get you there organically. And like, I just, I just like, for, I was just in such a like fresh out of SNL space that I was like, no, just do it. Just do it. The late, I was just being so lazy. Cause you just, it. you, you, you had the, like you put on the situation like, oh, we need to get it in now. We got to move. Like, exactly. you're at SNL exactly. on a time crunch at all times. Right. right. I've, I've noticed is that what I, is that what they do at SNL? They just kind of like give you line readings all the time. Well, I mean, not all the time, but it's like, like if you hit a wall, if something's just not working and it kind of rests on this one thing, Ooh. it's you're not supposed to be offended and no one ever is if someone's no. just like just do it like this and then they'll be like oh, right, blah, blah. Right. could i be anymore i'm using a friend's line but like could i be anymore blah 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 so it'll be like that um and so that was just i mean even that like you know even working on hot white heist was just like a reminder of how this process usually works when it's not in like this crazy pressure cooker right um, yes yes and it was just it was just so pleasant oh, that's nice yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad i didn't give you the line reading that'd be terrible i i always <laughs> i always think it's it's sort of like one of those things like what and one of the reasons why i don't really like hanging around with actors because it always becomes sort of moany about bad things yeah. that have happened to you so like oh my <laughs> god he gave me a line reading like things like that <laughs> it's you know? not that bad yeah you know no but it's i know it's not that bad actually but and, yeah. and some I've I've actually I, in, there have been times when I've just said I actually just tell me what it is you actually mean because I just yeah. I can't get it you're not explaining it well enough to me right so just tell me you do it mm-hmm. and then I'll do it my way and make it better <laughs> I, being Alan there you go. wait yeah. I, I I do want to like just to quickly just to touch on something we were talking about a little bit earlier because now, now I'm really thinking thinking about it and marinating in it like you talk about the stuff that you've done and then also like when you actually think about some of Bowen and I's truly favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah. You happen to appear in quite quite a few of them and they are I think some of and I say this in the most beautiful and and in the most in in the best way dumbest movies ever like Spice World like we I I fucking we love and also like if you can find a way for, for us to be able to see it you can't find it online or on streaming so please let us know Spice World No Josie just, just the Josie the Pussycats Wait no Spice one of the most World? ahead of ahead of its time movies of all time Josie and the Pussycats Love that film Yeah I love that film What you, wait, wait wait which one can't you see Spice, Spice World. World is like very is hard right? to find Yeah and it's crazy too because especially during Pride Month it feels like it feels like a aggressive and it's movie. not like those girls to not market themselves up the wazoo they've been on packs of crisps for years I mean uh, the, you'd think they would be, it can't be the best and also like Victoria Beckham like in her 73 questions like um, she she made a joke about like I'm still waiting for my achievement award about that movie and I'm like <laughs> yeah but you make a joke but you're per- Victoria Beckham in Spice World is high hilarious High Hilarious. success rate in every single one. She line. was. I think she's. I, I. I thought she was such a funny girl. 
on that movie. There was one. There was one. There was one thing she said, and I thought, I she like she was kind of she played so much with the sort of being posh, but she wasn't really posh. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's not. She's not posh, uh-huh. but that she kind of has assumed poshness as a sort of a right sort of a she posh. <laughs> yeah, she pre- she plays posh in the Eurovision Song Contest, mm-hmm. and um, she uh, uh, anyway. So one one day when we were filming the film, it was we had a long weekend. It was a holiday, and uh, she we were having we were rehearsing a scene, and we were eating our toast, and you know blah blah blah, just all chatting as we're get, waiting, getting ready to rehearse. And I said, "Oh, what did you, what did you do this weekend, Victoria?" And she went, "Oh, I went with my boyfriend to the south of France." I said, "Oh, <gasps> where did you go?" And she went, "Saint Tropez." And I was like, I was like, are you being, are you meaning to mispronounce or are you doing that just to be sort of like pretend posh, make it a double on top? I was just thought Saint it was whatever, whichever way I was like, I'm, I'm loving it. Whichever I'm way it works. It. Yeah. And because they went to stay and then of course it's in all the newspapers. Should they went to stay with Elton John for the weekend and it was just crazy that time because the girls were, it was the most, at the absolute apex of their spiciness. And it was just hilarious. I learned the Spice Girls dance moves. From the Spice Girls, ah, uh, wow! I know, I know, right? That's it. But you have, but you have like really kind of um, just you've been, you've, you've, you are part of these things, like like Romy and Michelle, like I'm, I, I, that another one. I just think, I just think you, um, you are just, you are just a very important figure in all of these things, and so we, 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 we pay our respects and such. You know, it's funny, like people your age. Um, and probably, and and either you know a few years either side, but people who are like saw Spy Kids, for instance, and I did a, <laughs> yes. I did, there was a spell like in the late nineties, early two thousands. So I did loads of those films of like kids films or or like Romeo, you know, the X Men. I was Golden I was Eye. We're not going to forget about Golden your role in Golden one. Eye, where you There's froze a, to death. <laughs> that's right, with, with with computer coolant falling on my head. <laughs> uh, um, I am invincible, but I, but there was I so the Spy Kids yep. thing. Is meant, but what's lovely about that is that, in a way, I was a sort of a magical part of a lot of people's childhood. You know, this figure, this character, yes. was sort of, and I think the fact that he was slightly scary to start with, but then he becomes a nice person. And so it's really, it really connects, like in a fairy tale character, actually, that, you know, it really mm. connects. Oh, I really connect. right. so, and I remember the way that when, when people, young people came up to me, when, when it changed, when they were the generation that had grown up with Spy Kids and they, how they approached me as an adult. It's with this kind of wonder and awe and sort of like, oh, you know, like your little like little kids' faces again, not like a twenty five year olds. And when I was shooting this thing in Albuquerque a couple of years ago, I, I saw that I came on the set one day and there was a boy, a new camera assistant, and he kind of did that face and I was like, Oh, cutie. He, it's he's obviously freaking out because it's Mr. Flute from Spike is, but he can't see mm-hmm. anything because it's like, you know, we're working. Anyway, right. so I was coming back from my trailer one time and he was coming out of the camera truck and he had his moment. And he said to me, he went, oh, Alan, I've, I've been meaning to say, I, I was like, oh, yes. And he went, you touched me a lot when I was a little boy. <laughs> and you were like, you were like Never say that again. Yeah. <laughs> There's another way. A lot. And the, the thing is, he probably was thinking like, when I get my moment, what will I say? Totally. And he arrived at that. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Just don't say that in public. Yeah. Or wait, wait <laughs> hold on. I have a question. Do you know the answer to this? Are you a playable character in the GoldenEye video game? Yes. <gasps> and I'm uh, I'm me and you can I have once been me. And and what was hilarious is that years ago uh, when it first came out, I didn't know it was th- in those days wow. when I did GoldenEye. It wasn't now when you do one of those films, you sign all these even if they're never going to happen, you sign all these things saying, "Oh, if I'm in the video game, I get blah blah percentage." You know, yeah, if they make the toy of you, if they make the toy the of you, likeness, you make this much. Yeah, 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 yeah. all that. I have to do X number of interviews to promote the toy, you know, all that stuff. 
Um, right. It didn't have that didn't happen, and all of a sudden there was just a game. Yeah, and we uh, didn't know anything about it. Biggest of all time. Yeah. Yes. Z- no royalties, darling. And uh, the uh, anyway, one day I was I, I I I found out about it, and I had an assistant called Landon at the time, and I came to, next day. I said, "Oh my God, Landon, I'm in a video game," and he went, "Oh yeah, I know, I've got it." I said, "You do?" And he said, <gasps> "Yeah, if you if you piss me off, I go home and shoot you in the balls because <laughs> you can." <laughs> You can shoot me in the balls and I still... I, I play as Ramka Janssen and I shoot you in the balls. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> I think it's so funny that you can... Hey, queers for Pride Month, this is my gift to you. The information <laughs> that you right now can get an N64 and play as Famke Janssen and, and Alan Cumming and do a hand-to-hand combat fight. Oh my God. <laughs> Slap, slappers only. Slappers only. Well, how, well, this is interesting. How do you feel about this idea that like not a lot of people have... Uh, on, on this side of like, you know, Hollywood or whatever, where it's like you have this intergenerational difference of people coming up to you and knowing you from a different thing. Mm. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, it's sort of really, and then now it's, you know, from writing books and stuff. And, right. and I love when people say, oh, I love club coming, you know, things like that. I really, I love, and I used to sort of play a game where I would sort of try and guess what was the thing they were going to say when I saw people come up to me? And I got so bad at it. I thought, oh, you know, it's actually quite nice that I don't know. Because it sometimes confounds you that some little granny will come up and say, oh, I saw, you know, some crazy independent film about me doing something sure. weird. And so I, I actually like that diversity. and you, you, you can't guess because there, there are too many things, probably. There's too many things. And then also, I think what I was doing was like, oh, you know, like, for example, 24-year-old, 20, Spy Kids or, you know, sort sure. of guy with a kind of Iron Maiden t-shirt and long hair, it'll be X-Men. I, you know, I was uh-huh. making all these sort of uh, sort of stereotypical decisions. And then it's actually lovely to sort of be confounded. And mm-hmm. a lot, I, I, and you can tell a lot by age, like, you know, The Good Wife's obviously a big thing. Right. I did yeah. that for years. And also I host the, you know, the, the, what do you call it again? The Masterpiece Mystery. Mm. I'm Alan Cumming. And this <laughs> is Masterpiece Mystery. <laughs> uh, and that has a, very definite uh, specific demographic, demographic. Of sort of older <laughs> older white people yeah but but oh, not always you can be confounded it's, it's quite nice i like it i like sort of uh and also i forget you know that's the other thing i <laughs> i realized writing this new book i've got coming out I've, i had to sort of research myself because i mm. i had forgotten so much and luckily you can research yourself nowadays Right, uh, you know, it is possible, and I found out such a lot. But I forget, and that's why on my website, I, I really always map my assistant. I was like, we've got to keep the website updated because I want to not forget what I've done because I did. I have had very some very embarrassing incidents when I swore blind that I'd never worked with. Like for example, I never worked with Willem Dafoe. I thought I love. Oh my god, I would remember. He's so great. I'd love. I see him sometimes at parties. And I think he's such an excellent. I'm just. Oh, I'd love to work with him. I had done a film with him and had scenes with him, and I totally forgot. You, 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 you Gwyneth Paltrow. Do you know? Do you know where we're sent? Do you know what we mean? Yeah, but she, she just didn't remember which film she was in. Yeah, that was Spider Man. That was Spider Man. I wasn't in Spider Man, but this is. But this is huge, though. I mean, this is like what everybody hope. I mean, not everybody, but like what a lot of people probably aspire to in terms of like what getting having done so much that you forget what you've done. That you forget that you were in a film that you did scenes with Willem Dafoe. Absolutely, I know. Just like in you Fire know? Island, I once I had these friends and they had bought this house that belonged to the man who wrote. Hello, Dolly and everything. What's his name? So Jerry Herman. Jerry, Jerry Herman, yeah, So yeah. he had this big house in Fire Island. It was kind of legendary. Like, you know, Angela Lansbury would go over and they would all sing by the piano. And mm. my <sighs> friends bought it and I spent some time in it. And it was like, and they'd totally redone it. But, but there was one room because the entire thing used to be zebra skin. 
wallpaper. <laughs> and so there was this little loo that was just zebra skin wallpaper. It was a leftover Jerry Herman loo. And on it, on the wall, was like an award that uh. he'd got that he'd just forgotten and left behind. And I remember thinking, God, can you imagine like being like having so many awards that one of them's in your loo and you actually move house and forget it? <laughs> but this is the thing. It's like, I don't know if that means that career isn't as important as we think it is or if it just means that like it isn't right like maybe that's that that's the takeaway here that like you're not defining yourself by like being in a Willem Dafoe movie no exactly and I think that you know I've I've noticed over the years that there's certain things there's certain markers that you are encouraged to you know keep and celebrate like the first time you're on the cover of a magazine or the first time you're above the title or all these sort of markers in your sort of business side of your work that you're supposed and people then send you pictures of things and so you end i anyway ended up with like thousands of fucking pictures of me like framed things and yeah posters of films and which is nice initially but then it's that it's like well what am i going to do with all these things you know it's ridiculous right and so then i would auction them off or give them away and now i realize it's such an interesting thing that now i just i kind of keep just the ones that i like mm-hmm. in in my little shed my gym shed upstate and it's actually a really good thing to exercise looking at images of your younger more beautiful <laughs> self it's very it keeps you going wow but i think that is true i don't define myself by my work i actually really like my work but if like you know it's really fascinating i loved the experience the pandemic gave me which was to just do do other things and have the time yeah, right. to do other things. And I was, I was really, I think it was one of the happiest years I've had in a long, long time was, was do you know, and I, I think that's, that was very heartening to me that I don't, sure. I didn't freak out because of uh, work and I, I like my work, but you know, I, I, I think that's also why I'm probably quite good at it. I don't take it that seriously. I care mm. about it, but I'm not, it's not, I'm not, I don't get, I don't yearn, which I think is a very mm. bad thing to do. Yearn. I just, I keep myself open to the possibility of working with interesting people, but I don't sort of think, ah, oh, in five years time, I must have worked with, you know, sure, blah, blah. I think that's very, you've got, just got to try and be in the moment and focus on, focus on what you're doing, but also focus on fun as much as, right. as you focus on your work. Well, even the way you talk about a lot of the stuff you've done, it seems like um, it's not like um, you're not talking about the the content, but it seems like it's like there was an experience attached to it that you seem totally. to really treasure, such as your time at the nude beach with Ian McKellen. Like, and then, right. of course, it's an afterthought that X2 was the best X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> but the content speaks to itself. It's there. It can be yeah, seen. Yeah, it's there. You can see it, but you don't. we don't know the experience. And that's something that, Dale, right. that you know and is special for you. It's great. And actually, you know, that aside from that, you know, I had fun with Ian on the new speech, but that was a terrible film to make. It was really, it was really, you know, it wasn't a happy experience. There was lots of weird mm-hmm. shit going on. And, and it was, mm, uh, it, it, the set was a very unhappy place. And I hated it. I hated making it. Ow. And so, you know, there's that as well. And actually, I think, again, that's all the more reason that you should have a good time. You know, the, the end product. I've done a couple of films like that. Like, I really think X2 is a great film. And then I did this film Titus with Judy Tamer that I think is really a great film. But both those experiences were just horrendous. Mm. And I don't think that the the, the excellence of those films is enough to merit the bad experience I had. Uh-huh. See what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's actually interesting. Like, as I work more in the industry, I realize more and more that what's on the screen actually has nothing to do with what the experience was. And, <laughs> yes. you know, you, you, you can see, especially with film and TV, just how much is you know, uh, made an edit and lied about and, <laughs> you yes. know, things like that. It's just, I'll it's just see. interesting. It's not when you grow up wanting to do this. And I think that's the quicker you find that out, the way, the more you get the demystification of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yes. I was that kid Less that, um, 
yeah, yeah. And I was that kid that, you know, I watched the Oscars and like, I really bought into it and like really wanted to, did want to be part of the community of people that I was reading about and watching. And then mm. you grow up and as you become part of the industry, you realize that's exactly what it is and that it is a lot of construct. And so that's mm. why it is important to, you know, prioritize experience for yourself and life Absolutely. for yourself. And yeah. then but I think what's really lucky about this is that it gets to take you to interesting places and you get to meet interesting people who maybe had that when they were young too. But right. but only when you meet people that are that have figured that out and like seen all the Pepsi cans, as we say, can you, can you really figure out how to like enjoy it? Right. No, I think that's absolutely true. What I admire about you guys and your sort of group, and I see it happening, I, you know, I saw it, through club coming really is but this group of sort of young uh writer actor comedians there's a very strong sense of community and of support i think with each other and that's i haven't i think that's really unusual i not unusual but it's uncommonly strong and seems really familial uh, when i look at you lad well that's i mean whenever people are like um Oh, well, I mean, people will assume that like, you know, that, that, that we will know certain people through, um, the podcast, but it's like, no, these are like relationships that we've built up over many years where we've seen each Mm. other really eat shit, like in like in bar basements in Brooklyn. And like, you know, like we, like, I remember the first time I saw, you know, let's just say like Patty Harrison or Catherine Cohen or like whoever, like we were not up here. Yeah. Performing at the level we were, we, we just, but we weren't even like even that good great of performance we just wanted to get better at it mm. and we all happen to start at the same you know water level and then now it's just a coincidence it's a happy wonderful fortuitous thing that we're all like yeah in in the same neighborhood of like of doing stuff but um but i, but I think I, but I was gonna say like maybe I, I mean i i'm not the person to say what um to assign meaning to what you're what you're doing um these days but like uh, i feel like club coming is this thing where you are you are community building with with that you know it's like major way in a major way i think so and i i really felt that when we did when the when the pandemic hit that one of the things that was apparent was that people needed a place to come even if Mm -hmm. we weren't all doing shows and so we you know we try and like during the uh, black lives matter marches like some of the staff were like let's keep you know they they suggested let's make it a safe space where people can come and get water mm-hmm. and snacks and go to the loo and i remember that, that i remember and things like that are really important to uh i i realized how important it was just for our, our, our core group of both performers and audience that they knew it was still there and they could come and they would be able to feel the same the thing like you know here when i do it in like at the, at the spiegel tent in in this festival i say you know i'll tell you a bit about club coming i say we have a motto all ages all genders all colors all sexualities everyone's welcome kindness is all and uh you know anything can happen and i think mm. that's a great sort of just let, put that when you put that out there i think people uh come it's it, it manifests itself because people bring that sort of message to it and i really did realize that that's why work sort of so hard early on when everyone was hit financially for all these you know they kind of got the benefits and things that we made, we had this thing called the club coming community chest and we got all these hilarious people to donate things to. So, and that was, I think, you know, I really did that because I felt like we do have a community and it's really important to make sure that we look after them. And if we can't nurture them in the way we normally do by paying them to perform and, you know, doing that. Yes. Then we have to try and, you know, we have to kind of think. So it was, it was really, and I take it very seriously, that sort of thing, actually. I'm very concerned about, you know, I'm very, conscious of things changing and what's what, what's the mood mm-hmm. and there's new people and how's that going you know 
mm-hmm. sort of the the feel of it is really because it's supposed to, it's supposed to, it reflects me it's supposed to, it's, it's my spirit really and it and does so, it really it does, does. It, it carries the light it, when you go in there and like and the the show is really popping off like it's like a love bomb is exploding it's so yeah, great yes. and I, I it feels weird but like I want to thank you for it because it's like a truly no, like not, some of my first you. some of my last years because I moved to Los Angeles for work stuff but I I it, I think it's in the top three things. I always say, you know, for me, everyone's like, what are you going to do now that you're back in New York and I'm back in New York for a month? And I always say like, it's more about people for me that I'm going to see when I come back here. Like I'm always yes. like, I always will so- associate Bowen with it and our dear friend Sudi and like our close friends. But it's having this conversation right now makes me really anxious to get there again because uh, I think it's, I think it's my favorite spot. I mean, I'm so, I'm oh, so, so nice. proud to be like a part of it. And like, it's, it's an alumni. Like, so you're so you're t- all the time in LA now. Uh, yeah, and I think that the the dream is to sort of bounce back and forth. You understand, but um, like Coast, uh, by coastal, by coastal, as it were. But yeah, right now, yes. But I mean, I'm telling you, it just it's not replicable in LA. What that is, and I think no, that I know. Even outside of, I mean, it's just not replicable anywhere. I mean, I'm sure there are some no. places, but there was something about a packed room at Club Coming mm-hmm. for a for a comedy show, cabaret show, drag show, what have you. But energetically, spatially, there was nothing like it. Yeah, just you just felt, and it's. I mean, this is I don't know. This is a little bit of a like a masturbatory thing to say, but like it's where it's the it's where I discovered quote unquote or met Chloe Fineman who later mm-hmm. was like in my who's in my class at SNL it was like it was where I like saw her perform for the first time I was like oh my god who the fuck is this girl doing all these yeah. impressions she's incredible so many people and then now it's like and now and yeah so many people but it's like like look like it's like it this is the thing like but you you saying like um you know all ages all genders all all sexualities kindness is key like hopefully that brings people together of course it does it's a force mm. in the world mm-hmm. and people will will draw themselves to that and then yeah, and yeah. naturally this is what happens uh, the, it's, it's actually really heartening in terms of you know like do you ever do things like you sort of think oh i really want to do this like what do you call it creative visualization i mean yes. I, I i guess with with cub coming i did creative visual visualization mm-hmm. and also like you know i when you talk about when something's about to happen and you talk about it in the press or stuff like that, you can sort of creatively visualize in a more, um, you know, uh, direct way by doing that. But it is really um, heartening to think that that's, that's how it came about is that I just, that's how I wanted it to be. And I just, I just put that message out to the world. Mm-hmm. Also, Bond was, I was saying to, when I did um, the other thing we have together coming out, uh, um, Dune. Yeah, I creatively visualized that as well because I was, <gasps> it was a, it was it was like you know the end of the summer. Yeah, and I'd spent it's been lovely. I'd had a summer. I was up stuck, not stuck in the Catskills with yes. my lovely husband, and I was just like, this has been lovely. But I'd kind of liked a little break. Yeah, I'd had a little break yeah. from my husband from my from you know making dinner every night and blah blah blah. And I've you know finished the draft of my book. I'm ready to, and I'd like to do a show not in America. I'd like uh-huh. to get out of America. I like to show that it's an ensemble. I don't have to get up every single day, and I can be and it's somewhere uh. safe like Canada, where you know, people are kind and there's a plan. Boom! The next Blowing thing the I board. know, oh, you go. You've been asked to do this hilarious musical homage parody thing of 1950s Hollywood music with all these great people in Canada in, in an Canada. ensemble thing. Yeah. Boom! Uh, didn't oh have God, to put dinner every night. Visualize more. I know. You I should, gotta, man. I gotta put the it intention behind works. it. Yes. You know, it always, it always did. You know, it's so funny. Like you say, like you're in LA all the time now. Like there's something happened to me. I think maybe it was the pandemic and also the move to LA where it's so much more like entertainment industry. Like I'm working yes, during the day yes. and I, I did lose that sort of like 
New York, like Jack, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and so like, it's just kind of, um, it's, it's, it's just fun to remember that that's a thing, like putting things out into the atmosphere really does work. I do believe that. Yeah. I, I know. So I, in, in my book, actually, I write about, cause I'm, I, I, try, I think it's too easy to be down on LA. If you're not an, if, if you're not an LA person and, and so uh-huh. it's just, it's one of these places I think that's quite sort of, um, triggering or, or it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, sort of, what do you call that word? Um, I'm going to say bipolar. Polarizing. 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 And that the thing is that I've, I have lovely friends there. I love going there, but I don't ever, I've never lived there. I don't mm-hmm. want to. And I, and, and, and I write about this. I say that it's, I, it's kind of like how I am. If you think about Hershey, Pennsylvania, where they make the chocolate. Which I do often. And, well, and Matt, Matt, Matt loves a, himself. I'm a theme park person. So I, I love a roller coaster. So Hershey I mean, land. What is it called? Hershey park. They've got some of the best roller coasters in the world. Yeah. Did they really? And also, are you a big are you a big chocolate person, Matt? I you know I don't go there for the chocolate, but I stay for the chocolate. <laughs> I always think that LA is similar to must be similar to Hershey, Pennsylvania, because I bet there everybody talks about chocolate all the time. Do you know what I mean? Because it's an industry town, <laughs> and I think in That's LA really everyone just talks about work all the time. And when you think about it like that, it's not so menacing, right? It's, but I just don't want to talk about work all the time. I said already, I'm not I'm not keen on gaggles of actors. That's like my worst nightmare. So the idea of being in a in an environment where like things like I remember one time. <laughs> This I was sitting at lunch at this years ago, and this waiter came came to me, and uh, I was like, I just wanted to focus on my salad, as Martha Stewart said, and uh, he said, uh, he said, uh, what? Oh, congratulations, Alan! I was like, oh, wh- wh- why? You know, when people say that you think, oh, did I win an award? And no one's told me. Uh-huh. And he went, uh, oh, your movie uh, made nineteen million dollars this weekend, and I was like, how do you know that? <laughs> and I, I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like what? And how? Uh, I, th- I thought it was awful. And also, and bringing it up while you were eating—that is. Thank rude. you. Well, wait. I mean, okay. We, we, well, <laughs> Matt and I, when we were visiting LA years ago, we we met up with um our friend. This is Jamie Salka, but he told us he was like, "Here's the thing about LA, everybody loves it." And then we were like, "What about the people who hate it?" And he was like, <laughs> they, "He was like, they just don't know that they love it. Like, they don't know yet that they love it." And I'm like, "That is mm, interesting." Atmospherically, I do love it. Like I and, and when I say atmospherically, I just mean like literal atmosphere. Like I love the I love the, the weather climate. being the same every Everyone day. I don't I don't need weather. a season. I mean, it's so boring. But like, but just, I, came I back think to that's New York. weird though. I think Matt, that's <laughs> like say, what do you say? What do people? What, what, that means that nobody would live in Iceland or or things. Do you know what I mean? The thing is. I would just go to Iceland then. But in terms of where I live, like I, I want it to be like dry and, the, dry and hot and the same. I get I, it. I just think it's sort of, I, I don't know. I absolutely understand. And But I'd also just think, I find it kind of weird that the climate would be the the best thing about somewhere. I totally, <laughs> I totally get that. And maybe I'll even agree with you very soon and I'll turn my ass right around and find <laughs> myself back in New York again. It's just that the humidity but doesn't you, and help you can, and there's and the you weather make, you can. Yeah, says that. But you can actually. I, I'm. I love that. Actually, I'm missing the wetness. But Ooh. I. I think you can. You have to make your own life in LA. You're right. Whereas in New York, yeah. you find it, and it, and it's just a little more difficult to in LA. You've got to. It's more. It's a well. You know that thing about it's all spread out city. There's no. The first time I drove in LA, I said, I'm going to find the center of LA. There's not a center. No. And so that's the thing. You've got to realize everything's more spread out, and you've got to seek out a life. Whereas right. in New York, it just hits you in the face. And I think that's, I prefer that. And it's a journey. And that's what's fun about it too. Like you're always going to have New York memories. Like there's not really LA memories. You know what I mean? Like there can be, but like New York is alive in a way that every day is a curveball. And in LA, it's just, you're less of an adventurer in LA. 
you just are. But also at the same time, I always think if I lived in Italy, I would probably end up in a gutter with like a prostitute on my face and a needle in my arm. Which is not too bad. There's benefits. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I think that that, that actually in in New York, you ha- there's it's I think it's there's slightly repressed like the thing that everybody goes to bed so early and gets in early and everything like that, and you have to really look for after hours fun as well. And so it's right. slightly. I don't know. Whereas in New York, that's like a part of living. And yeah. It's a sort of celebrated part. Whereas there, it's a little repressed, and it's sort of that's what I mean. I think I would end up in some, you know, <laughs> weird environment. You would swing. You would swing so hard the other way. But I, but yeah. I've never heard someone distill it this way. Where uh, in LA, you make your life, and in New York, you find it. I think that's mm, the perfect that's way to like to to phrase it. Um, before we ask you the question about what culture made you say culture was for you, I you were talking about sets earlier. I just want to know what was it? What was the set? of Josie and the Pussycats like is yeah, we need so to genuinely know curious we need about. some we need to know about our favorite movie well it was a hoot because um, well the girls were so young I talked to Rosario about this recently like she turned 21 Rosario. during that film wow 21 and the others were about the same age and they were just like these three week things actually I remember one thing like, this thing about work and LA and everything I remember it was when when we were shooting that um the, what do you call Gordie Hawn's daughter that lovely Kate, Kate, Kate Hudson Kate Hudson, yeah. Kate Hudson was on the cover of Vanity Fair because she was in that Cameron Crowe film yeah and I remember the three girls were like oh they were fascinated by this cover and I remember one of them said gosh who's her publicist like that and I thought oh it was uh-huh. it's, it, they were they were already being sucked into that thing yeah, of like, oh, yeah, how can yeah, I make yeah. that happen to me and so it was interesting but they were lovely I remember one time we talked about Lauren Bacall in the makeup bus and none of them knew who she was <laughs> oh. I thought fail, that's okay they're in, their, they're in their early 20s we come on it. Come, in <laughs> no the, it's not okay the we were probably eight and knew who it was yeah, I know I think they're, in the, they're making they're actresses in film anyway I, yeah. I um, told them but my um, <laughs> and also <laughs> favourite thing was like there was one time where uh, uh, little um, Melody, the character played Tara, by, uh, Tara, Tara, Reed. Tara Reed. And, you know, because at the time she was going out with what's-his-name, they were engaged. And there was a whole joke in the film about that. You know, Carson oh, uh, Daly. Oh, Carson Daly, Carson Daly, yeah. They were a big hot item. We were all going to go to their wedding after the film finished. That didn't happen, alas. Anyway, but Tara, there was something where we were doing a scene. It was late. Everyone was a bit tired. It was a night shoot and there was a little bit of conflict going on on the set with the direct, one of the directors and the girls and blah, blah, blah. And we got back to <laughs> makeup and they were all being upset about it. And I was like, girls, you've just got to like, you know, everyone's tired. Yeah. And just like, you know, just say, okay, I'll do it that way and do one take like that and then just do it the way you want to. And, you know, just, you know, just have to kind of yeah. give and take a little bit. But don't make a, don't make a bad Great episode. lesson, gonna, great lesson. All this stuff. And uh, and Tara was, cry, she was crying because it's okay for you, Alan. They respect you. But for <gasps> me, they won't let me give Melody any creativity. I remember she said oh. that. So cute. <laughs> Weeping, you wouldn't let Melody get any creativity. Oh, she cared. A kiss she to you wherever you are. Yeah, uh, see we love you, that, yeah. That, that movie also features um, one of Bowen and I's favorite performances ever committed to celluloid, which is Parker Posey in Shut that up. film. Just tremendous. I mean, that was just, that's a, just a dream piece of casting. And also, uh, I love Parker so much. We had such, and also, we were the two oldest people in the film. I was only like 35 sure. when I shot it. And when Parker left, she was finished wrapped earlier. I was the oldest person on the film. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
But at, years, at a 30, at a cool ago. 35, at a cool 35, I'd be like, these fucking kids. I'd like, I wouldn't like be that self-conscious about me. I'd just be like, no, I'm doing great. And these fucking amateurs are figuring it out. As well, yeah, it's just felt like, oh, I'm in one of these films. Yes. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was a hoot. Parker was, you know, she's hilarious. I've got some great <sighs> pictures that I took of her during that film. My first Parker, po- my, my first Parker posing movie. And then I, through that movie, I discovered yeah. like all the Christopher Guest things, House of Yes. Like <sighs> that was like my gateway into like that right, world of, yeah. of cinema where I was like, oh my God, this is a little like lane. This is like a little like pocket of, of movies for me. And like, it took something as like, you know, candy coated as Josie and the Pussycat, which I still believe is like a, like a satirical film. It, it's saying something about the culture in a way that Very much did not, so. was yeah. not said at the time. And I still think it has something to say. And like when we were saying up, so Matt has said a metaphor earlier, look for the Pepsi cans. It's just literally like what the, the whole movie is, which is emblazoned branding <laughs> yeah. on everything. And like now, like, you know, now we talk about it. It's, it's kind of a hackneyed thing now to talk about how corporations are ruining pride. Of course they are. But it's like, that was like in the year 2000, like, giving you this thing where every single surface was covered in a logo in a way that was yes. so funny and like ironic. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It was like a parody of itself almost as well. Which yes. I, you know what else was a parody of itself was um, the Spice film. Yeah, absolutely. People were so, and the reviews of it were so like, this is bad. It's like, you don't understand. This is Damn. camp. And I feel like at that yes. at that time, they just were, I think maybe American critics were kind of like unaware of maybe. the fact that there was, maybe they just didn't want to give the movie any credit for being camp or maybe they just didn't understand well, i don't it. think american people understand camp they do uh, not actually no. properly in the way we do that, not you know yeah yeah i mean it's sort of i think people think camp as uh, they don't think of it as wit they think of it as like someone wearing a feather bow and glitter no you know no, what no, I mean? no no and i think that's the thing like the, from the literary tradition and the sort and also sort of the repre- the idea of a repressed having to repress a message but get the message over using a sort of a almost a hidden language that's what i think of as camp yes. and that's what uh, american people uh, i think you know just in it's, it's i don't mean to bash uh, america but there's a, you no, know please. irony there's a bit of an irony bypass in general which is permeates all culture and i think that it's getting better and of course in certain pockets it's absolutely there but it's not as in the mainstream as much as, as it is in other cultures yeah showbiz There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with... Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you need to be part of the next pop culture moment? Are you scared of missing out on once-in-a-lifetime experiences? From can't-miss music festivals to international fashion shows to your favorite celeb's favorite restaurant, staying in the know can be so expensive. Don't let your finances hold you back from living your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com to start living yours. It's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com. Let's get into it. You know, Bowen, I sleep well. And I, I know attribute, you do. I attribute that in many ways to the mattress that I sleep on. We both sleep on the Helix Midnight Mattress. It's given us sweet dreams aplenty. And the Helix lineup offers over 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite collections, the mm. Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids Mattress, designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts everywhere. Say it again. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Your personalized mattress is shipped right to your door free of charge. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Unique girl, the way you sleep is perfect. Plus, Helix mattresses all come with a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash lasculturistas. That's helixsleep.com slash Culturistas, this is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Okay, we must ask we must ask the question because this will be the latest we've ever asked a question, but we're just having too much of a time talking to you. So, what was the culture, Alan Cumming, that made yes. you say culture is for me? This was the piece of whether pop culture or general culture around you that sort of moved you in in Alan Cumming direction. It was a piece of theatre and it was when I was a very little boy and a theatre and education group came to my school and did a play in our dinner hall and like, you know, we all sat on the floor and they did this piece of, and it was about about a historical thing that happened in Scotland called the Highland Clearances when all the people were cleared off the the, the hills and sent away uh, by the English. And I real even at that moment, I thought, gosh, I am learning more from this than we did when I got in history class than uh, uh, the, because I'm seeing it now and it's being presented to me in this way. And then and I thought, oh, it's so amazing. And then I at playtime afterwards, I saw them through, the, I remember through the fence, the, the, the metal grid fence of the, play, of the playground, looking through it. And I saw the actors from the little theatre company putting their big hampers of props and things into a van. And I realised they're going off and doing, going to do this at another school. And I was just yeah. like, oh, I want to do that. And that's oh, when I decided yeah. to become an actor, right? That very moment. How old were you? How old were you? I was probably about eight or nine. <sighs> and guess what? The very first job I did, the first professional job I did, it was in it was in a production of Macbeth in Glasgow and I played Malcolm. And we we're sort of talking kind of like this about, oh, what was your first sort of thing that you wanted to become an actor? And I was t- I told this story and the lady, the actress called Maureen Beatty, who's a brilliant Scottish actress who was playing Lady Macbeth, suddenly went, wait, what? What was the show about? And I said, Highland Clearance, she went, and it was near Dundee. I went, yes. She went, I was in that. 
and she was <gasps> she had been in the very show that I came. That she, wow! And, uh, several, several other actors, a couple of other ones actually that I that wow. I knew. But isn't that crazy? That's yeah. crazy. Wild. I think that people really forget. Like whenever I hear or see that, um, you know, like a, a particular education system is doesn't have theater or the kids aren't yes. exposed to theater. Like it's what you're saying. It's like some people genuinely like their world can completely expand. Their mind can completely expand by seeing that Bowen and I for several years did children's theater. And you can tell when some of the kids are changed yes. by it. It's yeah. magical, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And also I think it's been interesting, you know, with the pandemic that mm. in a crisis, artists are the first people that culture turns to, to make sense of it, to kind of yeah. entertain us, to take our minds off it or to raise money, help raise money for various things. They are, mm-hmm. The arts are the first sort of line of defense, if you like, in a, in a crisis. And yet yeah. the arts is the first place that they have all the money cut in cut. order to pay for everything. It's really hypocritical. Well, it's just an arbitrary thing. I mean, this is this is a weird thing to bring up, but I feel like to those actors, like that day, it was just another, let's say, Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And even for me and Matt, when we would go and do these children's theater shows at schools, it'd be like, well, for us, it's like, oh god, we had to wake up at like five a.m. today and like yeah. pack a van, yeah. like. Yeah. But then, but then it's like, but then I don't know. But then hearing you, someone like you, say this that like you were like truly sparked by a children's theater Completely. moment at your school yeah. i'm like oh god it's like you you can you will never be able to tell and this is just you this will is just- undoubtedly have done that you'll have undoubtedly done that to some people and that's not and even if they don't become actors you sure. will have give, you'll have changed them forever in a way and i think that's you know we f- forget what a great it's a pressure i suppose in some ways but what a great honor it is that you have the job that can actually change people's lives for absolutely the absolutely but I just think, and this is not, I don't know why I'm connecting these two dots in terms of like <laughs> cultural, like like arts funding, not getting what it should in this country mm. or, or yes. any country, but it's like, because it's something that like people, there's no like number on it because people can't like assign we want, like- Yeah, we want results, we want figures. We want results. But then, but then it's like, well, if you, if you were able to track like how many kids want to go into theater after like the, the theater trip comes to this school, then maybe it's like, oh, well then maybe like, I don't know. Maybe. It's like- it's such a, it's a hard thing because it's it because it is so arbitrary. It's like, it's like, I was talking to Sudi today, our, our, our very good friend Sudi. We were like, you can't describe funny. Like, like she's like, she's like, she's a fucking professional comedian or just a writer for years and years. And then talking to me about this, like one of her collaborators were just like, you can't, you can't define what funny is. And therefore yes. people get into arguments all the time about like hmm. who, who's funny. Yeah. It's a terrible thing that, you know, I think in, 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 in like some cultures, we absolutely need to see it on paper to make sense yeah. of it. Whereas, you know, like where I'm from, it's it's people understand the value of it. You yes. know, like the, the first minister of Scotland quotes, like she's a big reader, for instance, mm-hmm. and she talks about books. And right. she sometimes says, here's a great book I've just read, blah, 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 blah. Imagine that coming from a, 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 an American politician. It's, it would be incredibly right. rare. And then, and also they would be criticised for taking time off to read a book, probably, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And then, and also, but just like she's some, you know, she quotes poetry sometimes when she makes speeches and things like that. This the idea that language and, and, and culture in that way is so much more into the mainstream of how people think and there's a reference point. It's not something that's seen as something we do for fun or something that's a little frivolous. Mm-hmm. It's actually much more valued in the very core of of a society, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. I don't know how you how you change that. You just have to tell. You just have to give it to people. You know, that's the thing that like we've got to be told 
how to, you can't, and in a funny way, I sort of think you can't blame people for being homophobic or racist if the government of the day is homophobic and racist mm-hmm. because they're the people that are supposed to be leading you and, and explaining to you what is decent and how to behave. And so I think we've always got to, that's why it's so depressing right now that all these great things that Biden wants to do is not going through because of this dr- gridlock and that awful oh, yeah. man who won't let yeah. the voting thing go through. I mean, it's just the political system in America is so it seems so intent on just staying on stasis as yeah. it's, um, you yeah. know, modus operandi. Gosh, a lot of Latin yeah. words in one sentence. <laughs> well, we love Joe Manchin in this house. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. Um, no. Joe Manchin <laughs> stands. What um, you know, I'm, Yeah, the worst. Literally the worst. And unfortunately, he is president of the United States, it feels like. Um, but because uh, it doesn't matter who is while that fucking asshole sits there. And also, Kirsten Cinema is no better. And I, I, don't oh, care, I don't care how blue her hair is. Um, that's actually <laughs> worse. It's more patronizing. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it's, it's actually it looks, worse. And it also, I'm sorry, it looks bad. I'm it's not, not good. About her dye job is bad. Not to remark on the looks of a whatever, not to whatever. She just looks bad. Anyway, no, um, but I will say, like, it's so it's so crazy that you say that. Like, people wouldn't be this way if it wasn't if the government wasn't like filling their heads with this. Because when mm. like when we do when we do when we used to do these shows all the time as Story Pirates was the name of the company. It was like all the five and six year olds were my favorite because they were the most untouched by yes. by anything. Yes. And then yes. it's, you could see when they got to like eight, nine, ten something started to turn, especially in the boys. Like, yeah. um, if something was turning, it was just, and you saw that little glimpse of like, I want to have fun, but, but I, I but I can't. I and can't You know like what else this. too? You know what else too? I'm being judged. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else too? When, when the kids are really little, when, when little boys are really little, they lay in each other's laps. They hold each other. They touch, they, each, they yeah. touch each other. They, and they're they're very tactile and they're very sensitive and emotional and yes. open. And they're screaming, laughing when like when like something gay happens on stage. And by nature of Bowen and I being on stage, many gay things happened. And sort of like <laughs> us in a wig, like yelling at each other about like which spoon was magical and which one wasn't. Like um, stupid queer stuff. Yes. And like it, it, it does, it does, it does change when you can tell the parents or the they don't have a filter. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and then there, then there, something happened. I think, and it is a male thing that I think they're taught. They're just very quickly. You realize that that's not acceptable. There's things not, you know, there's things that are not, ex- are expected of you. And there's things that are not acceptable. And yeah. it's immediately, it's a, it's a very sort of about manning up in a way. And, sports and things become very polarizing in that way too and i think it is really interesting and it's always magical when you meet people who have escaped that who are also straight you know what i mean i think i'm i'm all, i i, I oh, love yeah. god bless a, them a, a straight boy in touch with his sort of femi queer side i think it's mm. just the best thing ever and i and i i i i think that's actually something again about your your generation and your group that i've seen is that that is much that's much more integrated everyone everyone has a sort of much more integrated kind of group of friends and it's much mm. more and i think you you know you you lot because you always grew up with the internet didn't you, you there was never any time yeah, when you didn't we have were the we were in about first second third grade when it really started to pop off right right so that's when you're a little so so um i think you've always had access to so many more options in all mm. sorts of ways and you've grown up with like at the click at the you know three clicks away having so much more information and so much more understanding of things and i think that's i mean there's obviously downsides to that as well um but i think actually it's made you a more um friendly and open uh generation i mean 
well, let's hope so. But then, yes, let's hope it's, so. Yeah. Let's let's just hope so. But that's but no. But that's 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 very um, it's very astute of you. I mean, I just think hearing hearing Matt talk about these five year olds, it's like or, or these kids, and the turn, it's like masculinity is self harm. Like that's that 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 is what I truly believe. Yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. That, like like starting to like saddle yourself with an idea of how you should behave as a man. It's just like. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, that is just like gender nonsense that ends up like ruining people's lives. You know, yes, it's literally, anyway, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, that my, one of my favorite memories ever, of, this is the last time I'll bring up story pirates and I bring it up because Henry was there because Henry Kapersky was oh. also a story pirate. He wasn't a performer. Ah. As, we know, Henry, as we know, Henry is more comfortable behind the keys and he was like, he just, te- of- just texted me and said to send you, send you regards, Matt. Regards. Send you regards. Yeah. Tell him I send my regards back. Send that's, my how regards. Our, that's how you know our relationship is over there's a emoji. oh there's a little applause emoji then send Aww. my regards i accept his regards i'm gonna text him later but <laughs> one time sweet. we one time we were at a show this is like very early on like before we were dating and i think um we started dating very shortly after this but like this little boy the teacher brought up this little boy and after the show and he had this like book of pictures that he had drawn that he had like tied together or like uh taped together and his teacher was like you know, this is so and so. He's one of my. He's one of my very special students, and he 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 wants you to show. He wants to show you this book that he wrote and illustrated. And he just sat there and like went through the book. And I'm like, uh, this is a creative kid. Like, yeah. you know, and it was very clear. Like a young young kid had done this, but. To go to the lengths to make a it book. Sucked. Yeah. It fucking sucked. I mean, the art was garbage. But no, I'm kidding. But I don't remember the art. It might have been garbage. But uh, but like the fact that he was like, I'm ready and willing and able to I'm do presenting, this. Yeah. And I'm presenting art and I want to create yes. art. It just makes That's me lovely. feel like I want every kid. I want every kid to have access to all that stuff. Because we don't know just the genius that we it. could be getting. And also we should say yeah. it's so unfair. Some of these schools that we went to that obviously have no money. And I feel I just it, it was it's just so clear that so much in New York needs to change. And so much everywhere needs to change because the, the, all these kids should have a chance to like express themselves creatively and be exposed to stuff like you were. Also, just to have like you know, it's good for you. It's actually it's just, yep. we're obsessed with like who's the next you know blah blah. Who's going to be the next Vincent Van Gogh? Who's the next Mariah Carey? Actually, just <laughs> the very fact of doing it is good and healthy and as yeah. a as a, a, a an important thing we should do, like keeping fit. For our bodies, we should also keep fit with our minds and our hearts and our imagination. That's what the arts is for. God, I sound like a, a commercial. No, no but the thing like... I'll always remember is when you put Vincent Van Gogh and Mariah Carey on the same level. And I thank you for I thank you for <laughs> thank that. You. I, as like as like a like secretary of the Lamely, I really thank you for that. Um, <laughs> that is what correct. You, what do you think, Bonyang? Should we move on to I don't think so, honey. I think we should move on to I don't think so, honey. This is our segment in our show where we each take one minute to rail against something in the culture or something that is happening to us. Matt, do you have a topic? I like do, to and it's sort of okay. fresh on my new, newly New York mind. Okay, great. I will uh, time you. This is Matt Rogers's. I don't think so, honey. And his time starts now. 
I don't think so, honey, that the New York subways finally got figured out the second I fucking left. All of a sudden, I come back <laughs> I and you can use your goddamn out. debit card to get in. I don't have to oh, get a Metro great. card anymore. Metro cards are a thing of the past. I don't think so, honey. How come I used to have to <laughs> suffer with that little piece of paper that I'd have to hold on to for a month? And if I lost it, I would lose the, at the time, insurmountable amount of money I had paid to get that. Now you can use your goddamn debit card or credit card. Seconds. I don't think so, honey. Also, there's Wi-Fi almost everywhere on every single stop. Do you know how many times I've been crying stuck in a subway between like the fucking this and the that on like the truly pits D train trying to get somewhere and unable to communicate? Now communication is like water. Everyone can have it. I don't think so, honey. (laughs) I have to tell you, New York, you're trying it with me with the humidity, but you're pulling me in with this new subway system. Things are looking good. I don't know. Maybe I do think so, honey. And that's one minute. Look. <laughs> Not to say New York is like the best it's ever been. Like, there's a lot that's going on that's like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But the subways have gotten pulled together. Hey, thank Bill de Blasio for that. Just kidding. I, um, I think I think it's great that there's Wi-Fi in every station. It's like, it just makes the, it, it, we're one step closer to making like internet usage like, it's for a thing that everyone can have for everyone. Yeah, I, mean, I, you know, I always think when I come to a hotel and you have to to pay for the Wi-Fi, I think disgusting. Oh, disgusting. I think it's just really like charging for that something that you could give free to everyone. Yes. I just it's think ridiculous. it's shocking. And especially in a swanky hotel and then they charge you for the internet. I'm like, you're Are they doing foul. that th- where you're staying right now? In the cave hotel, it's free. God bless. I'm talking cause... to you via the free access or I would be <laughs> billing you. No, it's, 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 <laughs> no, it's all free Honestly, here in the Cape Hotel. It, for me, it's like worse when like it's like a shitty hotel. Like I'm at a shitty hotel, and you're like it's like fourteen ninety nine for twenty hours of Wi Fi. I'm well, like, then, where like, do you, you get off to watch doing porn this? all night? Yes. Where does any <laughs> Holiday Inn get off charging you fourteen ninety nine for Wi Fi? It's like you should be so lucky. I know that I've checked into this establishment, <laughs> but it's like I suppose we don't make fo- call. You know, remember when you used to make calls on the f- phone and you're probably had mobile phones? They must have made a lot of money from that. Yeah, and they right. lost all that. So like, oh, we can charge the internet. It's the same with like, um, you know, on planes now, you're not allowed to take um, emotional support animals. You have yeah, to, you can still right. take dogs. You just have to pay for them. This is being a big change. People are abusing it, but it's also I think a thing that airplanes are like. How can we make some fucking money? Right. So we'll just stop doing that. And, and you, you know, you can still, I could still go with my emotional support animal, Lala, but uh, I'd have to pay $125. Oof. And I'm, I'm absolutely willing to do that. Yeah. There, but, that's said not, but not everyone can. That's, and that's, not I mean, everyone can. That's rough. Makes it an inconvenience. No, absolutely. The Wi-Fi on planes too is a nightmare. That's truly expensive. We haven't progressed. We haven't progressed on that front in like several years. And about like at least, I would say seven years there's been no progress on the in-flight Wi-Fi front. No, still just as expensive as it was. Every still time. bad. Oh, yeah. bad. It should be faster anyway. Anyway, right. um, so that's mine for now. Um, okay. And Bone Yang, are you ready with your? I don't think so, honey. I am. I've got one. It's a little. It's a little like whatever. But it's just, just, just. It is what it is. It's a little whatever, but like it is what it is. And Loving with that. that um, we are going to start. Bo and Yang, this is your I Don't Think So Honey this week, and your time starts now. I Don't Think So Honey transcribing likes and ums in any transcript form, but specifically interviews, specifically interviews with me. I'm not going to be made to sound like a bumbling fool because I'm actually trying to find the words in order to 
properly convey the idea that I'm trying to communicate. Specifically, when I'm doing a long day of press for that I'm willing and happy to do for Hot White Heist. But if you're catching me at the end of the press day and I've, I'm a little too tired and I'm having trouble articulating myself, please do me the courtesy of cutting out the likes and the ums and the dusts and the filler words. I, we all have filler words in every culture. I don't think it, I don't think it's a mark of unintelligence that you say like or um, but it just it makes the reading of the interview very fragmented, very disorienting. It just doesn't make for a good reading experience no. in terms of absorbing information for the reader. It just kills it. I and I'm not going to name the the compl- I'm not going to name the publication that did this to me today, but they did it to me. And otherwise, it would have been a great interview that read great on paper. Well, that's one minute. I will say sometimes I do use a like or an um for comedic effect, but it's very clear when that it's is true. It's very clear when that's true. It's and an just, ironic use. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I was just, Alan, I was trying to tell them about the damn show. And I, and oh. they ma- and they just kind of broke it up into all these things. Like you can string it together. I promise Come you. You on. can you can yes. you can edit it and make it sound somewhat cohesive. Do you know I what I hate you. when you do that? Like sometimes you know how sometimes you do like do you do that where you go uh, I often say, I don't want to do the interview. They can send me the questions on an email mm. and I will then do a voice memo. Love. Love that. I do a voice memo and I send it back to them. What I think is despicable, and it's <laughs> happened a few times, is that they publish the voice memo without asking me. <gasps> put, make it an audio file. Instead of transcribing what you said, they do an audio file and put it out into the world. That That's invasive. Me. I don't like that at I all. I think so. <laughs> it's I very invasive. Exactly. That's like, a, that's like my I don't. I actually have an I don't think so, honey. Am I allowed to do one? I don't. Yes, you are. You actually requ- you're required. To you're do required one. to do one. We're not putting this out unless we get an I don't think so, honey. I'm Alan <laughs> I, have, Cummings, I have. I have that. it. I have it. I'm ready he has, to go. Okay. This is Alan Cummings. I don't think so, honey. And his time starts now. I don't think so, honey. Is that uh, I hate when people say <laughs> things to you and they mean it to be an insult, but they're actually saying something that's actually true. <laughs> like when people, say, I remember, like a few years ago, I hosted the Tonys and I wore a short suit, like a pair of shorts. And oh, jacket. yes, yes. iconically. Thank you. It was a good look, and uh, and the and the they sold the, the designer who I done. They sold out the next day. It was a big thing. Well, that Frank Rich, I will name him. Oh, yeah, good, good, good name Frank In uh, New York Magazine. who And Frank Rich, of course, was the, the theatre critic for the New York Times. And had this, was, you know, the, the butcher of Broadway. Anyway, he said to me, Alan Cumming uh, looks, he thinks he's being youthful. He just looks middle-aged. Guess what? I am fucking middle-aged, Frank Rich. Why are you insulting me with something that's true? And it's also when people say to you, you're a wanker. I go, of course I'm a wanker. I masturbate regularly. Why are you saying that to me? Yes, why are you saying that as an insult? You do it too. I just think we should all look when we're going to use a pejorative and we've got to make sure the pejorative is a terrible thing and not the truth. I don't think so, honey. Oh my God. that's one minute. More like Frank, bitch. Am I right? That's rule of culture number six. (laughs) <laughs> more like Frank Bitch. Also, Frank Rich, as a theater critic, should have something more like pointed and sophisticated to say than you look middle aged. They are not necessarily sophisticated theater critics. Okay, no. just, I know. I just, know it that. doesn't matter who would they write for. Okay, because uh, we could also name more names, but there have been some flop theater critics. Yeah, yeah. I obviously struck a chord in some way with them that it was my by my presence and my not conforming to something. But I was just like, that's a stupid thing to say. I am middle-aged. So and I'm not, I'm not wearing shorts to not look middle-aged. I'm wearing shorts because I think it looks nice. Fuck you. Exactly. Well, well you get to wake up every morning and be Alan Cumming, and he has to wake up every morning and be Frank Rich. So. Oh, my God. Frank really? Bitch. I'm I'm like Frank Frank I love Frank Bitch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
I think, yes, an insult is not that insulting if it's just, like, accurate in a way that is not pejorative. It's no, like, it's mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's meant it's to be mean. mean. But it's not yeah. it's thoughtless because it's not even, like, do a better insult. I'm here for it. Do you know what I mean? I think I can, there's nothing better than a clever insult. Yeah, make an effort to case it in, like, some humor. Make an effort. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite uh, Trump things was when he came to to, uh, to Scotland. I saw these people and there was a, a man holding up a sign and it said, Donald, everyone thinks you're a bellend. And I just thought that was the best thing ever. Do you know what a bellend is? No, what is that? A, a, a dick. It's like, you know, it goes, oh, it goes up like that. Well, now I see end. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> gesticulation. <laughs> And the other thing, there was a lady when he first came during the uh, campaign and it was the when the Scottish, uh, no, when Brexit happened, he actually flew to Britain and he was in Scotland at his thing. And he said, a great result for Scotland. We got, and actually Scotland had voted to stay in Europe and yet right. the rest of Britain had voted. So he got it all wrong in many ways, not yeah. surprisingly. But there was two things that made me laugh so much and made me very proud. One was that these people had hired a mariachi band to be play right beside his golf course, right? <laughs> so he had to pass a mariachi band to get into That's his golf good. course. And there was a little lady who's this comedian actually called Janie Goodall. She was holding a sign that she'd made. So she looked like a little lady with a little cardboard piece of cardboard and she'd painted it and it said, Trump is a cunt on the thing, right? <laughs> and, and there was a policeman coming towards her going like, I'm sorry, darling, you're going to have to do, you know. It was just fantastic. And then... <laughs> A few, we were later at the BAFTA Awards in Scotland. I was getting one, and my mum was with me. And the lady who'd held up the sign was there, but she was all zhuzhed up and had her makeup on and hair, and I didn't recognise her. And she went, "Oh, Alan, it's Jenny." I was like, "Oh, I said, oh my gosh!" And she went, "You might remember I'm the Trump as a cunt lady." And I was like, "Oh, it's so nice to see you." And then my mum was like, "Oh, mum, this is Jenny." And, and, and I went, "Remember Trump as a cunt?" And she went, "Oh, how lovely to meet you." Remember Trump as a cunt? I do. Remember? And I do. Oh my goodness, I do. Of course, yes. Trump as a cunt. That way, this that is, wait, this actually is so funny. I, what I wanted to tell you when you were telling your Ian McKellen story, it also involves Henry, that we went uh, to Europe like on like for like a week and a half like years ago when we were dating and we went to England and we were in London and we were we came out of our hotel. I think we were like finishing up a blunt. We were walking down the street finishing a blunt and a hundred yards. Like in, yeah, I know. He's yeah. He learned he didn't learn it from me, but he got much, much better at being quote unquote uh, Henry from me. I'm giving him um, some uh, tips on joint rolling, I tell you. Oh, oh. so we were we were like we were like finishing one and about a hundred yards in front of us there was this guy who sort of was like in the in the visage of um Ian McKellen. And I said, finish that before we see Helen he Ian McKellen up there. And we laughed, we laughed, walked up, it was Ian it McKellen. Was ah, he would have loved it. I, I literally <laughs> I was like I was like, wow, I'm telling you we had we just checked into the hotel, walked down on the street. I was like, yeah, Ian McKellen over here. It was. It you, was so. Cre- you creatively visualized him, man. <gasps> there we go. Creative visualization title of app. Title of app. Title of app. <laughs> well, this is truly an auspicious episode overall, <laughs> but a wonderful ending. I oh, mean, boys. This was really wonderful. We're going to let you go on this plane with Henry. I know. Um, I've just got, I've, I've got, got to go and have an experience, another lovely experience. It's been so nice to talk to you. I've really, really enjoyed it. And lovely to finally meet you properly, Matt. Well, not properly. Likewise. But, you know, I mean, I can't way. tell you. You're you're such a, I mean, they throw the word around, but you are an icon. And we thank you, really you for everything you've done, everything you, you are, everything you're going to be. Seriously. Bless you. Bless you. I love I love the way the lights gone down behind you in Long Island. The lights are going out all over Long Island. <laughs> the, you know, there's a beautiful song, The Lights in Long Island. Just kidding, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um but uh we could, <laughs> Billy Joel. could we'll get Henry on the keys. We'll get Henry on the keys. 
Uh, we end every every episode with a song, Matt. Sure do. Let's let's do it. Why do you do what you do to me, baby? You're taking my confidence, driving me crazy. You know, if I could, I'd do anything for you. What is the last line of the song? Please don't ignore me because you know I adore you. Please don't ignore me because you know I adore you. Wow, my pharyngitis is really gone. Amazing. For the rest of that song, listen to the Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack starring Alan Cumming. Bye. So Bye. Boys. Thanks oh my so much. Gosh. Thank you so much. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly bursts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Some say Titanic is the best gay nightclub in the city, and those people are me. And me. So set sail with this cookie crazy off-Broadway hit and get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 